with me this morning and open your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11, as we continue in our series, By Faith, Facts, Myths, and Miracles. Uh, by God's grace, if Jesus should tarry for the next, oh, eight or so weeks, I'm going to be teaching on the subject of faith, but not maybe like you would think or that you've heard in the past. The Lord just laid on my heart several weeks ago in studying the Hebrews 11, which is the roll call of faith, that it was very different than the emphasis being taught, especially in Pentecostal charismatic circles. Most teachings on faith are guidelines of how to get what we want from God. But if you look at Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore, considering the reproaches of Egypt are yeah, greater, or the reproaches of Israel greater than the riches in Egypt. By faith, there was an offering. In the life of the believer, the faith that we have brings something out of us. Now, there's great reward to faith. God provides, God blesses, God enriches, God heals, God satisfies. But for the believer, faith is never used as a tool to get something from God. It's a, it's a tool that God gives us to take from us that we would offer our lives a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. So Hebrews 11, one and two, in the King James it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders, elders obtained a good report it didn't mention first that they obtained the things of this world, although God provides them. It says, by faith, they obtained a good report. Let me read a couple of other translations for you. Now, faith is the substantiating of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For it's in the power of faith that the elders obtained a testimony. In the Bible, in basic English, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the sign that the things not seen are true for by it our fathers had God's approval. And that's what we want, God's approval on our life. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. I was going to start on verse 2, but I just feel like, I don't know, it's like a good steak. There was just, if you chew a little bit longer, a little more juice will come out, you know. So I wanted to finish up authentic faith. If you weren't here for last week, I encourage you to go online. You can either watch it live or on podcast. But I want to finish up the idea of authentic faith. Authentic faith originates with God. It's not your decision to believe. God opens the eyes of your understanding. God has given to every man a measure of faith. But the saving faith, like when Simon said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Simon, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My Father, open your eyes. And that authentic faith expresses itself. Faith is not a, a one-armed bandit. It's not the arm on the slot machine that you pull so that God can dispense the thing that's coming. Now, it is used in the sense of it shows God that we believe him as provider, healer. But in its truest form, authentic faith expresses itself in genuine ways, in simplistic ways, but original ways. It, 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 we worship the Lord in faith, not like the person in our row, but from our heart. We give uh, with our gifts, our abilities, our resources. That's why no faith is supposed to look the same. 
It might do the same things, but see, you didn't come from where I come from. You've not experienced the things I've experienced. You don't have the voids that I have. You don't have the losses, and I don't have the ones you have. So when you look at one person worshiping and you say, oh, that's just ridiculous, that's way too much. And that woman is pouring water from her eyes. See, one person in the Bible didn't even bring Jesus water from the well for his feet, but another one brought heart water brought it out of her and wiped his feet with her hair, which was her glory. And she abased herself and they judged her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. You don't know where this is coming from. This is authentic. It's authentic. It's genuine. And so now thinking of the text, now faith is the substance. It's the conviction of things hoped for. It's not speaking about cars and lands and stocks and bonds and condos. It's the convictions of things hoped for. What are we hoping for? God's approval. We're hoping for the day. We're, we're, we're striving for the day when we stand before the Lord and he recognizes us and says, well done, you are a good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I've not seen heaven with my eyes, but I know it's there. And it's the confidence that I have. My faith believes. You remember I told you that faith has to have an object for it to matter. We teach people how to have great faith. And that's not, that's not the important thing. The important thing is even if your faith is small, if it's connected to an appropriate object, then it's valid. Remember what I told you last week about having faith in the Falcons? You remember? Everybody has a party. We got faith. And about, about fifth week, you realize that although you had the jersey and you had the tent, you had the banner and the flag, now nah, it's got a little mildew in the corner and ain't nobody coming over because you had faith in your faith. Instead of faith in the object. Okay, having said that, number four, if you're taking notes. One through three was last week. Number four, authentic faith is prepared. And by that I mean willing. Authentic faith has a willingness about it. It doesn't set ground rules. It doesn't say I'll go this far and not further. It doesn't say as long as I stay in town. It doesn't say you do this and I'll do this. It means this. It means that I believe that you are. And I am all in. You say left, I'll go left. You say right, I'll go right. That's why we worship. Where you hear the song this morning, forever I'll worship you. I'll worship you in the penthouse. I'll worship you in the poorhouse. In sickness and in health, for better or for worse, or for rich or for poor, I'm not worshiping you based upon my external circumstances. I'm worshiping you based on my faith. My firm, relying, exclusive trust in you. Some people, Jesus said, had no faith. Others had little faith. Others had weak faith. And then he looked at some and said, man, you have great faith. I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. But those people that got that commendation came prepared. There was, there was already, it's like they had talked to themselves all the way there. You remember the woman with the issue of blood and she said to herself, if I just get near him, he ain't gotta touch me. I'll grab the hem of his garment. And if I touch tassels that the Lord wears, I'll be made completely whole. I've spent everything I own on doctors. I've gotten no better, but just get me near Jesus. She'd already had the dialogue. How do we know that? She didn't tell Jesus that. She didn't tell the disciples that. How do we know that she had said to herself, 
She didn't say it to nobody else. If you say to yourself, now see, some of y'all talk to yourself, and that's not a good thing. You say, well, I just want to talk to somebody with some sense every now and then. That's the point. And now if you talk out loud, you know, I, I think the, the, the line, if you cross the line where you talk to yourself and then you answer back third person, that's when you got, you got to go see somebody. But how do we know what she said to herself? Because God knew. And God told the author of the gospel, he said, let me tell you what she was thinking. She had a firm conviction. She said, I tell you what, if the crowd's there and I can't get through, I'll crawl on my belly and I'll crawl through their legs and I'll touch the hem of his garment. And if anybody asks me a question, I'll stand up and answer. And Jesus said, who touched me? Because he knew virtue went out of him. And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? All these people moving in, there's crowds. He said, mm-mm, somebody touched me with faith. I want to know who touched me. She said, it was me. I have had a constant woman's flow. For how many years was it? Was it 12? Long time. I don't remember the exact amount of years. Long time. But picture this now. It was recorded for our learning. It wasn't just for a physical statement. What flowed out of her? Blood. And the life is in the... So she had been bleeding out for all those years. And she said, it was me. And he said, your faith made you whole. She did not use her faith as currency. Ah, oh, come, come get this faith. Let me, let me lay hands on you. Let me, come here, get this, get this. No, 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 no. She did this on her own. She decided who God was, what God was able to do. And she decided that if Jesus Christ is wearing a robe and he perspires it all, anything that touches him is filled with glory and he ain't got to touch me. I'm not even worthy to be touched. See, there was a humility there, just like the man that came about his son. And Jesus said, well, I'll go home and heal him. He said, no, Lord, you ain't got to do that. Now watch, he'd already had the conversation to himself. I'm going somewhere, wait with me. He said, "Mm -mm, I'm a man under authority just like you. He's not even an Israelite. He said, I tell captains to go and they go. I tell 50 men to go over here and they go over here. And I recognize authority when I see it. Just send the word. Jesus said, what did you say? He said, I, I can, oh, I pray this is clear for you. He said, I can only express it how I see it. I'm not, I'm not even a Jew. I'm out of the, I'm strangers from the covenants of promise. I'm an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. I have no right to talk to you, but I know what I know and I understand military and you have absolute authority. And Jesus said, my God, it's yours. It's yours. So there was reward, but that wasn't the point. The point was what come out of him? A firm, exclusive relying verbal trust in the person of Jesus Christ. It came prepared. It came prepared to answer. It came, it came prepared to offer. It came prepared to work its way through, whatever. The king, whatever happened to this verse, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent people take it by force. 
I will be heard in the court of heaven. I will be heard in this world. My prayer does reach the throne of God. And you do what you're going to do, but I'm going to stand before the king of kings and declare to him, I believe you exist and you are who you say you are and you can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. There's nobody like you. There was nobody before you. There'll be nobody after you. That's what I believe. That faith is rewarded. I told you that it's willing to be vulnerable like Simon walking on the water. Excuse me. Thank you for all the kind words this week. They said, how are you? I said, well, when, you, when, you, when you're dead, any movement's going to be done, it's up. So, you know, oh, you just need to be more positive. You're not, I'm positive I was sick all week long. I'm positive. But he's my healer. He's, he's helping me. So Simon is on the boat, and you have to see, now I'm just pulling context out for the subject of this message. The disciples are waging their efforts against the storm. God will let you row all day long. Do you hear me? God will let you come to the end of yourself so you can come to the beginning of who he is. And like God doesn't, you don't just sit in the boat and go, God's going to take care of me. Row and bail but look for Jesus too. Call on Jesus. So, so they're rowing and Simon sees Jesus on the water, walking on the water. And so th- this is the Simon that said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He's, Simon's already, I love Simon. I so identify with him. He could say something really brilliant and then just be brain dead. Next chapter, just like can't spell Jesus. Jesus I mean, just go. So, you know, I can identify with some of the good and bad. So Simon says, now keep the context of faith, authentic faith. If it's you, not are you Jesus, but if you're really God, tell me to come to you on the water. He said, come, one word. I want you to get this, one word. And on one word, Simon got out of the boat and walked on what other people would sink in. On one word, he was able to do in that moment what he couldn't do a moment ago. And on one word, he walked on top of what would have killed him a moment before. On one word, he transcended the laws of nature. On one word. So was the power in his faith or was the power in the object of his faith? You see? And faith makes you vulnerable where it was come to the bookers it's go. For you, it can be give, it can be serve, it can be whatever. But you have to be vulnerable. And if you live a life of faith, you will get wet. You will sink, fail, stumble, look like an idiot. That was my greatest fear starting a church. See, if I can go preach Sunday to Wednesday, I might can impress you for three days. Preach, and everybody go, oh, and then leave. But if I live with you, For 21 years, you get to see everything. And we're so scared of being vulnerable that we're not. And so Simon walked on the water and the winds and the waves came and he stumbled and he sunk. And there's big Christians go, I knew it. I knew he he wouldn't make it. He walked on the water. So Simon sinks. Jesus helps him back up and rebukes him. He said, Simon, why is it you have no faith? I told you last week, my my blood 
my ignorance shows. And I go, time out. Get on these 11 catfishes in the boat that ain't did nothing. That's my first thought. You're going to correct Simon. Why are you leaving? Why didn't you address them? And it's just like in basketball where you have one guy, you just don't even cover him. And you double team the good ones. Jesus said, they're self-checks. Just leave them alone. They're not even doing nothing. Simon, I'm trying to pull something out of you. They're not even willing. I'm trying to pull something out of you. If you can walk on the water, you can stay on the water because my word will sustain you. Simon, bring, bring it out. Simon, I want to build my church on your profession. Bring it out, Simon. And what did he do right after that? See, we hear the rebuke. No, no, no. He walked back to the boat. Jesus didn't carry him. Really? He walked back to the boat and the Bible said they all worshiped him. But one of them worshiped him with wet clothes. One of them just dripping wet. Saints, you ain't never lived till you worship the Lord in a cacophony of glory, failure, correction, glory, where it doesn't even matter to you. You just said, I'd rather be soaking wet failing than dry in a boat of excuses. I want God, whatever you want to pull out of me, my reputation means nothing. Use me for your glory. Faith is willing. It's willing. Well, I just don't want to fail the Lord. No, you don't want to be seen as a failure. You can't serve the Lord and not fail him. I can prove it. I can pull up my old tapes and CDs and I go, Jesus paid it all. You just, it's You think it's bad now or not? You should have heard it in the beginning. It's horrible. I had one lady just hissed at me like a snake the whole time I was preaching. Just hissed at me. I got in the foyer, you know, and her husband's out there, and he goes, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. Praise the Lord. You know, you get in the car, you don't know whether to resign. You got a, a resignation letter in one pocket and a gun in the other pocket. You don't know what to do. You say, the Lord's, come on, church, the Lord's doing this, let's go, and it don't work. So by the time you get done at the end of your life, here's what you realize. Here's what you realize. John Wood ain't about nothing. My works aren't about anything. But the life of faith is the most fulfilling, exhilarating. My soul comes alive when I make myself vulnerable and say, if I fall, I fall. If I make it, I make it. I just want to be where God is where God is. If he's on the water, I want to be on the water. Simon didn't say, if it's you, make everything stop. He said, tell me I can be where you are. All right. Let her be. Authentic faith is willing to forfeit control. And first of all, that's kind of a borderline statement, you know, and you hear people, anybody want to testify? And it's a scary thing to let testimony service happen because you don't know who's going to get the mic and what they're going to say. Y'all remember. That's why we don't do it too much. Uh, you know, and I just believe that John the Baptist was the son of God with all my heart. Thank y'all. Anyway, that, that was a joke. Um, you'll hear people say, I just, I'm giving it all. To, I'm going to let him. It's just his to control. You ain't had no control to give him. Do, do you understand? You, you don't have any in anything. So the willingness to forfeit all control, if it's a pessimism, that's not faith. Well, it don't matter what I do anyway, Lord, just have your way. There ain't no glory in that. But when the person says, you pick, 
I love the example of Abraham and Lot. And Lot was one of those believers that just, about three French fries short of a happy meal. It never worked for him. If you follow his life, he follows Abraham and everything he touches is blessed. Cats pregnant, dogs pregnant, calves are pregnant, goats are pregnant, lands, lands, milk, wells. And he goes, Abram, it's time for us to split up. There's not enough grass for all the cattle. When he should have just said, hey, I got more cattle here than I've ever had in 20 lifetimes. If I can just stay in the corner, let me be with you. He didn't, he's just carnal. Let us split up. Abram said, no problem. Which way are you going to go? And Abram said, you choose. I'll take what's left. Now listen. So Abram is the father of what? The faithful. Those full of faith. Abram said, you pick. Because it don't matter what you give me. It don't matter what you leave me. God can give me everything around it and give me yours if he wants to. Ain't got to manipulate, manipulate. Don't have to maneuver. Don't have to fight. I don't have to control any of the variables. I have faith in a God who told me that the steps of righteous men are insinuated, ordered. And Lot saw the valley of... Sodom and Gomorrah, like the well-watered Garden of Eden. And he said, I'll, I'll take that. That looks good, Abraham. No problem. And no sooner than Lot took a few steps off, God said, open your eyes. Look up in the sky. Count the stars. That's going to be your descendants. Look upon the sand, like the sand of the ocean is going to be. I'm going to bless you everywhere you go. Abram, I swear. I, I couldn't find anybody to swear by So I found myself and I swear that I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to bless you. All from a man that just followed God. He said, come out of the land of the Ur of Chaldees and I'm going to take you to a land I'll tell you about later. Which way do you go? We think Macon and I-75 and signs. Ain't no interstate signs. It's dirt. You hear me? There's not even signs. There's dirt. Which way does he go to follow God? It doesn't matter. God's going to get him there. So he just starts walking. And that faith pleased the Lord. I ain't got to be in control. God, if you'll just tell me the first three steps and then I'll, I'll be okay. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. That ain't faith. Do you see me? Do, you, do my sheep know my voice? Can you follow me? Let's go. And when you follow the Lord, there's a willingness to have no control. I told you, one of the, you know those places you cross in your Christianity, we've not arrived, but we've made strides where I didn't have to have an answer. I remember it like yesterday when we were praying about building on Now Road and we bought the acres and we've never had a capital fund drive in 21 years. And we just prayed and we brought pledges and a one-time offering and we needed, I hope, I hope this is right. It was something like, 2.7 million or something, and we had like $60,000. We're just short, just a little bit. Just. Well, John, if you'd have hired a team and, you know, had a campaign, yeah, I know about that, where you have two years of camp and the people feel the pain. I know all about that. We ain't, ain't going to do that. And, and I remember in the meeting, I said, well, I guess we're not going to build. Somebody raised her hand. She goes, well, what are we going to do? I said, oh, I don't know. That instills a lot of confidence, doesn't it? There's our pastor. He doesn't know. But what are we going to do with the land? 
Don't know. No, seriously. I seriously don't know. So are we going to stay here? I don't know. The Lord knows. Now, that sounds like a cop-out. But then a couple years later, when the land where we paid 400000 for it, somebody gives us a million for it. And then you go, oh, preacher starts looking real smart. And go, oh, no, I wasn't smart. No, no. I knew what I didn't know. I have no control. God has absolute control. And as for the Lord, his way is perfect. And he's going to have his way in the earth. And you have faith. It expressed itself in my unknowing. It ain't about having answers. It's about having God. You pick. You take what you want. I've not got to fight you for stuff. That's why God tells us when a believer wrongs you. He said, don't take them to court. Leave them be. It's better to suffer wrong. Just don't. Hey, God's watching. You ain't got to fight. God watches and, and I, he sees somebody do wrong by you. And you look up at him and say, it's all right. And he said, you did that because that was my boy. That hard-headed rascal. He's mine. But you left him to me. I said, yes. I get him. And you go, thank you. Thank you. Get him. Willing to go all in. Authentic faith is willing to go all in. I would invite you, those of you that love to study his word, go look up the story of David. You'll find it in Samuel and in Kings. When it came time to, for Goliath was making the challenge, the Israelites, the thorn in their flesh for years was the Philistines. And they had a, a, a giant. Commentators disagree on how tall, but some historians and commentators had him at 19 feet tall. And he was their champion, a warrior since he was a boy. So he was on the battlefield as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, slaughtering men. Excuse me. The invitation was, here's the Israelites on one hill, the Philistines on another hill, and Goliath would come out and said, is there anybody in the army of Saul that will come fight me? If you win, the Philistines will be your slaves. If I win, you'll be my slaves. No one answered the call because the Lord was playing out a movie to be recorded so for thousands of years we would see the spiritual implication of it. It was in the invitation. Is there anyone in the army of Saul? No. But then a little boy, and this, this almost sounds too scripted, who's bringing cheese to his brothers. That just doesn't invoke scenes of warrior, you know. So David got a little wagon, you know, got a little donkey, walking in, I'm looking for my brothers, I brought him some cheese. That's just not, it's in there, read it, it's in there. He's bringing him some cheese and some raisins, some figs, and take it to my brother. And he hears Goliath on, on the hill hollering out, he goes, who is that uncircumcised Philistine? Boy, shut your mouth, that's Goliath, ain't nobody messing with him, he goes, is anybody going to, do anything about that? And then he said, what's to be done for the person that kills him? There's another little thing in there. What? And he said, well, the, the king says that he'll give his daughter to be married. And he said, anybody got a picture of the daughter? <laughs> I'm serious. Y'all know I'm going to tell you the truth. You know they were like, 
can you point her out to me just real quick? You know, this is Inga. <laughs> That's all right. Goliath wings. That's all right. It says, you can marry the king's daughter, which it really wasn't so much about that, but you would marry into royalty, riches, prestige, honor. And he said, and all of the victor's family will be exempt from taxes. David's brother's like, go, David, go, David. You know, take it. it's right there in the book. Y'all forgive me. It's just how I'm wired. I'm sorry. So David weighs it out and tells Saul, I'll go fight him. And you know the story. Saul tries to put his armor on. Isn't it funny how Christians will tell you how to fight a battle they're unwilling to fight? Isn't that funny? I'm going to tell you how I'd do it if I was you. When y'all go overseas, it's how you do it. They ain't even went to Cordell, and they're going to tell you how to go overseas. This is what you need to do here. And he goes, thank you. Thank you. Any, I was going to say something, but I'm not, I'm not going to say it. So David weighs it in his mind and goes out there with his sling uh, and his stones, and he stopped in a little dried brook and got the other five stones. And commentators tell us that Goliath had five brothers. Makes sense to me. I mean, either you thought he might miss or it's like, I got something for everybody in your family. It was, it was <laughs> trash talking, ready to go. So it comes out in the words. If we, if I lose, my parents are your slaves. My children are your slaves. My children's children will be your slaves. All in. You got it. There are times in your Christian life where you go all in and you tell the devil, you don't believe me, try me. All in. And David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you and... Oh, wait a minute. David was raised on the backside of the wilderness and as a shepherd boy, he practiced his sling and he could part the hairs on a wolf's head. No, 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 no. That ain't what he said. He, he didn't say, I come to you with skill. I didn't come to you with experience. I didn't come to you with expertise. He said, I come to you in the name. I know him. I worship him. I see the heavens in his handiwork. And I believe that God is going to shut your mouth today in all the sight of Israel. And he ran towards the giant. Goliath's like, am I a dog that you bring this little boy out? And I, I know he's thinking, boy, I got something for you. He's running towards him. Just, and he, whew, and the Bible said that the rock sunk into his head. That is not a good day. You, you, <laughs> it speaks of his helmet it speaks of how much his helmet and his armor weighed. So have you ever heard of a helmet not covering your head? I submit it to you. It went through his helmet. How? Power. And the same God that stepped down on nothing and created everything, when that, when that left his hand, God decreed it. Just however, whatever, kill him. And that rock went in his head, but he didn't die. He fell over, and the Bible said that David took his own sword, took Goliath's sword. How did he lift it? That's another miracle. How would he carry it into battle? It was big as he was. I believe God enabled him to do it. In the same way, Peter walked on the water, and when he went into battle, that invoked fear in the 
eyes of all men. And he took that sword and cut that giant's head off. And when he did, and he raised the head of that man, all the cowards became warriors. And in one moment's time, they went from not knowing what their future would be to absolute victors because one man went all in. I submit to you that when he cut Goliath's head off, he shut up. (laughs) And he took the armor into his tent. So picture, here's this little boy. The Israelites are chasing the Philistines into every nook and cranny of the wilderness. He goes into his tent and he sits down and he sobs and he weeps because it's dawning on him what is happening. When Samuel poured oil on his head and whispered in his ear and said, you're gonna be the king. He wasn't using his faith to be a king. The kingship happened as a byproduct. His faith was in who God was and what God was able to do. And God had already chosen him before he knew it. So God was getting out of him what David didn't even know he had. I believe, the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe that Goliath was born and raised for the sole purpose of introducing David to the nation of Israel. I believe God raised him up, groomed him, gave him all the victories, put him right on the battlefield with David and said, watch this. And David came back into town and they were saying, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his. How many had he killed? One. Already recognition, notoriety from all in. Why is it that we're afraid Ben, would you come on up for me this morning? Why is it that we're afraid to be vulnerable, to lose control, or to go all in? Because our faith is not in God. Our faith is in a belief system. Our faith is in a a historical account, but not now faith is. It's the conviction of things hoped for. I'm hoping that God is real. I'm hoping that God is in me. I'm hoping that God is near me. I'm hoping that God is watching me. I'm hoping that God will validate me. I'm hoping God will vindicate me. I'm hoping God will answer my prayers and show up in my daily life. Faith is the conviction that all those things are real and will happen. It expresses ourselves when we go back home and become a missionary in Mexico. It expresses ourselves when you get to retirement age and you open your home back up and you raise children that aren't yours. It expresses itself when, you know, Drew and Kim start a new church, Radiant Church. It expresses yourself in a hundred different ways. And the goal is not to be seen or recognized or to be great or known. The goal is to have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God and to obtain a good report through faith. For God to say, now John believes. John 
had less gifts and less going for him than many pre- most preachers that I've called. But one thing he did is when I showed him something, this is my goal, this is my desire to hear this. He just said, that's the Lord. The Lord can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Not that he can't lie because he's holy. It's impossible for God to lie. You've heard me use this illustration over and over. If God were to say audibly, John Wood, you're a woman. Somebody go, oh, God couldn't say that because you're not a girl. No, I'd become one. If he said that, the issue wasn't what was the reality here. Has he not spoken it? Will it not surely come to pass? That's how he created the worlds, through his word. And the person that sees him, the person that knows him, the person that worships him, the person that serves him, the person that follows him, their life, their life has an energy about it. It has an awareness about it that they're looking for God at every turn. Now, why would I look for him at every turn? Because he said he's with me always. So that means at the grocery store, he's with me. When the car pulls out in front of me, isn't it amazing a car pulls out in front of you? Ain't nobody saying, oh, checkbook. Or, oh, Christ Chapel or Assemblies of God. They say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, right? That's faith. That's your subconscious telling you, you better skip all them other folks and connect here. Faith. Faith that God watches our sacrifices. God watches our willingness. And when provision comes in, and then see, early on, the provision surprises us. And then as you get older, you go, of course he did, man. I see little glimpses of maturity every now and then in your pastor's heart. I'll be in the office and, you know, we'll give or you send people and you start and you'll, you'll have lack or something. I'll tell Melissa, I said, just watch. There'll always be enough. There'll always be enough. Oh, that's, you have great character. No, I've watched him. I've watched him. Why would I doubt in my 50s what he's shown himself to be true to me in my 20s, my 30s, and my 40s? Last thought. Wasn't even in my notes, but it's for somebody. So Jesus has died according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and was risen again the third day according to the scriptures. And an angel had rolled the stone away so that people could look in and see that he was gone. And this angel was resplendent in glory, pulsed with heaven's brilliance. I picture the angel sitting there kind of like this on top of the I don't know that. but And then when the people came in, I see him going. First of all, let me give you the exact quote from the scripture. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, just like he said. But I see the angel going, what's wrong with you people? What are you doing looking in a tomb? Resurrected Christ don't live in tombs. He got up just like he said, that phrase, just like he said, It's just like he, I've watched him for millennia. 
everything he says happens. Everything he promises, he does. Just, he said he's getting up, he's getting up. He tells worlds to come into existence, they come into existence. Oceans depart, seas depart, they move. Dead people come back to life. If he says it, it's going to happen. So you're looking for a living Christ in a tomb. Let me tell you about us angels. We don't get it. We live by sight. And those of you that live by faith have the opportunity to believe and you act like God is a liar. Just like he said, you're missing out on decades of proving the Lord through faith, authentic faith. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong on behalf of the one whose heart is perfect towards him. He's looking. You believe, don't you? You believe. Did I not tell you, Mary, Martha, that you, if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? But Lord, he, by now he stinketh. Did I not tell you that the victory that overcomes the world is your faith in God? It's, it's it. If you just believe, you'll see God's glory. Move the stone away. Oh, Jesus, don't move the stone. Move the stone away. Lazarus, get up and that decomposing man come back together got up out of the tomb and he said untie I just wonder for us this morning do we see this as a corrective message that Pastor John's getting on to you if you do I've, I've, I've failed you it is an invitation to the life you've always wanted a life of faith, a life that sees God, expects God, and experiences God in small and large ways. Because God is, and God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm not sure what the Lord's asking of you. But maybe this morning he's asking you to be vulnerable. Maybe he's asking you to be willing to go all in. All or nothing. But I know this. He's longing for you to express your faith genuinely. Originally. In the way he wired you. Don't pattern your praise. Don't pattern your service. Don't pattern your gift after anybody. Let it flow. Let it flow from your life. Speak to yourself about what you believe to be true about God. Declare it in your journal. Say it in the congregation of the righteous. Tell those you work with, I believe that God is is and God shall and God does faithful is my God bring glory to the Lord bring glory to the Lord with your life
Would you stand with me this morning? Guys, would you turn off our internet feed for just a moment? Would you do that for me? I've got one minute, really, but I want to ask a favor of those of you that understand the power of encouragement. 